Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Tom Peavy with me as we have a shortened edition of Sports Call today as Borgard High School basketball will be coming up on our airwaves. First Borgard basketball broadcast of the year for us. That's coming up right around 5 o'clock today, depending on the timing of the JV games. And so we're getting off air between 4 4.30 and 4.45 or so today, a little bit of an inexact science just depending on uh, the high school game timing and that sort of thing, but we'll be with you for roughly a half a show today. Uh, you'll have to forgive me as I continue to try to work through a little bit of sinus, cold, <clears throat> something or another as uh, still powering through. Uh, hopefully it is not too obvious, but uh, certainly not 100%, but uh, sometimes you play under 100%. So uh, we'll continue on today. Uh, on today's show, we'll still have some more Iron Bowl thoughts for you. We'll also start to talk about the crazy coaching carousel and the crazy uh, transfer portal world. Those things are incredibly relevant for the next few months. We're just getting going in the transfer portal world. Of course, of course coaching carousel has been busy already, so we'll give you our thoughts on some of the moves happening in the Southeastern Conference. And there are moves to talk about not only at the head level, but also uh, at the coordinating and position coach level. So we'll talk about all that today. Uh, and again, uh, trying to get you some transfer portal updates too. A little bit later this week, of course, we'll be getting into more Auburn basketball. They'll have a game against Virginia Tech tomorrow night in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Uh, we'll also have uh, the, the previews of all the conference championships later this week. So a lot to talk about throughout the show this week and again a shorter show today so let's get to it again if you want to give us a call 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 889 tiger 9 ryan lavoy tom peavy with you here on this tuesday tom how has your tuesday been so far uh i mean uneventful so far uh i kind of stack all of my stuff into like showtime and after the showtime so yeah. How I'm, was your I'm Monday getting, night? I'm getting my day started. <laughs> Monday night was good. Had to go to work at uh had to go to work at Fat Daddy's, got off work and yeah, you know, kind of a kind of an easier Monday. So but yeah, I uh the way my schedule works is it's usually kind of this is the start of my day. Okay. Radio well, good radio morning. Yeah, yes, good morning. This is the start of my day. But uh uh yeah, I mean it was a good day. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot of movement in the transfer portal. A lot of movement in coaching uh, hires and fires. Uh, some upset Auburn fans at the finalists of the Lou Groza Award, considering three kickers are finalists that have missed multiple field goals this year, and uh, Auburn's kicker who was perfect on the season is not a finalist. So uh, make that make sense. But um, yeah, good, it's good. 
good day so far. Yeah, of course, uh, as you said, Alex McPherson uh, did not uh, miss a kick this year. I know he did not have as many attempts. I think that would be the, the right. argument uh, against him. But uh, certainly he did what he could. He did what he was asked to do. Uh, but, yeah, all those awards were coming out today. Uh, wide receiver, running back, all, all, all those different position groups uh, and, and as far as the finalists and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I, I know this is not necessarily Auburn-related, but I found it interesting. And, and I know who they are. We know who they are because we do follow college football. But just even the stark contrast in uh, finalists for the Doak Walker Award for the running backs and the wide receiver award, the Bolitnikoff, it, it just kind of staggering because wide receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and then the Washington receiver – uh, who all had huge seasons. We all know who they are very well. Right. And the running backs are like Amari and Hampton of North Carolina, who obviously, because it's North Carolina, I know. But I don't think the average person was like, oh, yeah, Amari and Hampton's damn good. Cody Schrader, who got a lot of late love there with Missouri. Um, and then uh, Ollie Gordon of, of Oklahoma State, who was Player of the Week for us once on Sports Call Player right. of the Week. But I think that kind of shows you kind of where the sport's at, that – it's not quarterback versus running back anymore. It's actually notoriety of running back versus wide receiver yeah. and how we're kind of more into the wide receivers now than we are even the running backs. Well, look at the NFL. Yeah. We uh, have di- yeah, we've discussed that numerous times about the value of running backs. It's a, it's kind of a dying breed in the game of football right now. Yeah. Uh, so found that interesting for sure. Uh, let's start today's show. Let's talk a, a little transfer portal. I uh, just want to update you on two Auburn Tigers that are going to the portal and then have some speculation for you about some quarterbacks available. So let's start there today. So two Auburn Tigers, both on the defensive line, uh, are, are headed toward the portal so far. Freshman defensive tackle Steven Johnson and redshirt freshman nose tackle and he Sledge. Sledge was yesterday around this time. Steven Johnson was earlier today. There is the belief although not confirmed, that Amari Kelly, the wide receiver, will also be hitting the portal. And uh, Hugh Freeze talked a little bit about this yesterday, that, uh, again, it's not this is not 2007 anymore. There's not going to be one or two kids transferring. That's not how the portal works anymore. There will be transfers. His job is to be honest with those that are not in line to have great and obvious playing time opportunities next year, and then to also try to keep – the guys that are in line for playing time opportunities and are in line to be important part of this uh, important parts of the program moving forward. So that's the first couple uh, of guys to hit the portal for Auburn. But Tom, as we look at guys that Auburn might target in the portal, we know that position wise, they'll always be looking at some offensive linemen. Yep. We know that defensive backs. There's a lot of veterans in the defensive backfield for Auburn. That might be a position of need. Wide receiver, they are obviously making incredible strides and attempts at, at big-time wide receiver prospects. Does that disqualify them from a portal receiver too? Probably not. But then what we're going to be wondering about all season long until he frees either confirms or denies is what are they going to do at quarterback in the portal? And, of course, we talked about that a lot last year. It took a long time, uh, and now we already have, what, two or three days post the regular season. There are already numerous guys that I think that just about everybody should be interested in. And, yeah. and the two newest names today, Washington State's Cam Ward 
and Kansas State's Will Howard. That goes on top of some other guys like Will Rogers, uh, Mississippi State, who hit the portal a couple days ago, uh, and then some rumored guys like the likes of Riley Leonard, who just lost his head coach at Duke, who's obviously from the state of Alabama. And then also there's uh, murmurings about K.J. Jefferson. Technically, he would have one year if he wanted to transfer. somebody. So there's a lot of speculation around those guys, but again, can confirm that Will Howard to K-State and Cam Ward to Washington State are on their way to the portal, and uh, there will surely still be others. Uh, so kind of rank some of these guys for me, Tom, in terms of how Auburn should be looking at them, how interested, uh, and, and just, just kind of their overall thoughts, what they should be as they look at portal guys. First of all, I saw where Michigan State also had a quarterback going into the portal. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, th- I don't think St- Auburn's doing that one the second yeah, time. Maybe we go to the Michigan State route again. Um, uh, so uh, Auburn, the biggest thing obviously is they're going to have to find somebody that can come in here and can legit open up the passing game for them. Uh, I can almost guarantee you, with all these wide receivers that they're trying to recruit and flip, these big time five star re- recruits that they're trying to flip. I'm sure they're also in their ear telling them, like, listen, we're going to fix the passing game. As a wide receiver, don't worry about it. We're going to fix the passing game. Um, right now, you don't have a quarterback on this roster that I – that unless they feel better about Holden Gurner, but I still don't think he's going to be in the picture. I think he's going to end up being a guy that transfers. Just my gut feeling. Um Right now, you don't have a quarterback on this roster that you trust can really, truly give you a passing threat. And that's what they're going to look for. Um, They're going to look for a quarterback that is mobile enough to do what they want to do when it comes to running some uh, run option type stuff, but somebody that is going to be a passer. Um and, and I and it's going to have to be somebody that is is proven and proven over multiple years, and I think that's the problem you ran into with Peyton Thorne. Uh, he had the one year that was really good at Michigan State, but then if you look at the year after that, I think he did battle some injuries in that year, but his stats dramatically diminished at Michigan State. And uh, he was a guy that once he announced that he was leaving, there were a lot of Michigan State fans that were kind of like, "Hey, you know, good riddance, y'all. Good luck with him and all." You need to find your quarterback that the team he was on is direly going to miss. You know, I I look at a, you know, a guy like the the kid at Duke. Um, I I think that kid is a phenomenal quarterback. And I think he would be great in here. Uh, Really, I mean, all the ones that you mentioned, I I don't even know how I would rank them. Uh, I I feel – it's kind of my bias towards, I guess, maybe the schools that they're at. See, I wouldn't like, do that. No, I know because Penix came from Indiana and he's no, going to be third and high. No, I know, yeah. and that, and well, and uh, and Riley Leonard's from Duke. That's not a right. Well, and uh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Daniels came from Arizona State. Yeah, uh, you know, not a not a. If they were at the big schools, they wouldn't be transferring. Right, you know? right exactly. But that's the, but that's also the thing that you have to try to like not fall into that trap. You know the guy from Washington State. Like, okay, he's at Washington State. Who cares? I think like, he's a he's a yeah, damn good yeah, quarterback. Yeah, that, that is a really good quarterback. Yeah. Yes, he's at Washington State. And there's, well, there's a reason he went to Washington State and not somewhere else. Well, I, you know, I don't know the reasons for that, but 
you don't want to fall in that trap. I mean, yeah. he, he is a really good quarterback. Same thing for Kansas State. But look at I mean, hell, Kansas State had a great season this year. Well, they they, and they won the Big Twelve last year. Yeah, I mean, they, so, yeah, it's a good program. So you can't yeah. sit there and just go, okay. Well, I mean, the guy played at Kansas State. Who cares? Oh, that yeah, that's a darn good program right now and a darn good quarterback. So, um, I, I it's gonna have to be something like that. You just hope you don't. You, you hope that you can kind of target a guy and and get maybe try to make something happen quicker than later so that you don't end up having to settle for something lesser than you set out to get. Um, and like I said, I, I really I don't know how I would rank any of those quarterbacks. They I feel like they all fit really well with what uh, Hugh Freeze wants to do. I think they're all very, very uh, more than capable passers, but also very capable with being able to run. So, um, I, I don't. I honestly, I don't think you could go wrong with any of those guys. I, I mean, I, I like I said, I don't want to just cop out and go. Oh, I don't want to rank them. You know, one A, one B, and one. That's honestly kind of his. I don't think you. I don't think you could go wrong with any of those guys. Now, I think where you could go wrong, and you fall into another trap, is if you start looking at guys that maybe they have kind of big name type stuff around them or whatever but if you really think about it they don't quite fit with what goes what uh Hugh Freeze and those guys want to do even though yeah you do want to try to design your stuff around the talent that you have so you know if you do have a pure pro style pocket passer then that's where you need to kind of generate your offense around and not just you know we're going to by god run RPO even though the guy you know runs like a a 6040 um and so where I say that with a trap is like, let's just say a guy like Arch Manning goes into the portal, which that's a big rumor since Q, uh, Quinn Ewers is going back to Texas. As he's announced there's the thought that Arch Manning may go. Well, of course, everybody's like, oh, we got to go get Arch Manning because his last name is Manning. Well, he may not be as good of a quarterback as some of these other guys that you may try to pass up on because you want the name Manning. Don't fall into that trap. I'm mainly saying this to the fans. The coaches are smart enough to know this. So, you know, don't, as a fans and all, don't fall into the trap of, oh, well, you, you know, it's a, it's, it's a failure if you don't get the guy with the last name Manning and you get Riley Leonard and you're like, oh, well, we passed up Manning and got Riley Leonard. You probably got the better quarterback. So those are the types of traps don't fall into whenever you start looking at whenever this portal stuff really starts hitting heavy. The reports on Cam Ward were interesting because Brock Heward, who does a bunch of Pac-12 games, he went to Washington, which is obviously, uh, even though it's the rival of Washington State, I, I still think that it has some credence because there's not exactly a lot of people plugged in to the, uh, to the Washington area. Uh, he was saying that he's got word that Cam Ward's been offered a million dollars by multiple teams. Woo. Uh, and that Auburn might be one. Auburn was on the list of five or six teams that had at least contacted him. Now, I will say this. I, I, I might have misspoke earlier. Uh, Ward is not uh, is not currently in the portal. He is technically, if he's being contacted, being tampered with, which we know that's a common thing now. Uh, but you're right as far as you know in, in texas too i think I'm, I'm trying to remember his name malik murphy or something like that there's another yeah. texas quarterback yeah. that people are looking at too 
And that gets into, do you want the five-star backup that hasn't gotten a shot yet or the three-star that's balling out at a mid-level school? And you were kind of hitting on that a little bit right there, Tom. I mean, take take us through the thought process there. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you have to – Again, traps that you got to be careful of. You need to I, – I honestly feel like that that's where you need to go the route of a guy that is balling out. Now, I will also say this. I, I do believe that you – if you're vetting, if you're vetting a, a quarterback, especially a position like that, if you're vetting that and you're looking at a guy that you want to bring into your program, you also have to stop and think of where he is balling out at. Now, big pro. If he's balling out at Duke, then he's playing ACC ball. He's playing against some very good competition. If he's at Washington State, if he's at Kansas State, he's balling out against some great competition. Now, if you you really start taking a risk, if you're looking at somebody that was balling out in a very you know kind of mid major, low mid major type program, and it's like, man, that kid's balling out at Directional State University. Eh, okay, well, not going to be as confident it, about. Yeah, it. you're just not as confident about that. That that's the type of school that people from your school leave to go to. Like we have seen, uh, uh, uh at Texas State, TJ Finley. Uh, TJ Finley. You know, TJ Finley had a great year at Texas State. Well, you're not going to sit there and if you just kind of whitewash everything that you know about T.J. Finley and you're like, holy crap, that guy T.J. Finley at Texas State was great. Let's go get him. It's like he was a failure at Auburn. He was a failure on the, in the big-level football. So, again, that, I think that's where you have to be careful when, when you start looking at quarterbacks like that. If you really want to hit a home run, high, a home run uh, transfer portal-type quarterback, yeah, you, I think it needs to be a guy that also comes from a – I say a major program, at least a major conference program, um, because they have been there, done that on that highest level. And and I'm sorry, but that the levels are different when you when you play in mid major or low mid major, and that's the type of competition you see all the time. Other than the games that you play, where uh, you get paid to go and, and play at a big time place and get your balls kicked in, then you know, yeah. So you need to go to a guy. Yeah, I think you really need to focus on a guy that has played in the big time games. You know, multiple big time games, big time conference play. Um, I, you know, I that's where you succeed. I, I believe. I that's you know one man's opinion. Let's grab a phone call before we get to our first break. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. First up on the show today, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. Are you guys doing well? Speaking of TJ Finley, does he have any more eligibility left? Oh, uh, he might have one more year. Yeah, because I think he was only at LSU one, Auburn two, Texas State one. Get a COVID year. I think he still would have one more. You know, perhaps I don't know. You never know what he might have become if Auburn would have had offensive line at the time. He was having some good coaching, but they didn't have none of that. So it's really kind of hard to say what he might have been or may not. You know what I mean? 
I don't. I, he was not very good at LSU either, though. Yeah. I, I think I, that that one, since it's two different stops, I think that's just the difference in a good group of five guy and a guy that would struggle in the Power Five. I mean, he did, he's done an undeniably good job at Texas State, but again, that's obviously a, a big difference than being in the SEC. Well, that's true. But I want to mention about those Jacksonville State game calls. They went on down to New Mexico, even though they did lose. New Mexico State kicked a field goal in the last seconds of remaining in regulation to uh, pull that thing out and get out of there 20 to 17. So uh, that just goes to show you what kind of programs both those programs have. I mean, you know, I tell you, I would love to see Auburn uh, face Jacksonville in the bowl game. A lot of people have been talking that kind of chatter online or whatnot. Uh, maybe the bowl people might hear them and, and go ahead and match them up and see what happens. I think Jacksonville will take Auburn. Oh, the the only thing is, I I don't think that's a possibility. That I, just because there's so many, the bowl games have so many conference alignments that wherever Auburn goes to a bowl game, they're either going to play somebody from the ACC or the Big yeah. Twelve. Uh, there's not really one there that it would be like Auburn would go and play a team that you know a group of five a team. group of five team that got a waiver to get into bowl. There's there, there's not really a conference alignment to make that happen. One thing I want to mention, well, a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, you guys had mentioned something about uh, somebody, some recruit or whatnot, was offered a million dollars to go to some school or uh, was a wide receiver or somebody. Who, who was that? A quarterback. Yeah, the Washington State quarterback, Cam Ward, who's not even officially in the portal. There's reports that uh, from Brock Hewitt of Fox that he's being told that he would get a million dollars to transfer to certain places. Oh, really? Was Auburn looking at him? Uh, I think Auburn is one of the schools mentioned. I think Miami, uh, Washington, I think a lot of a lot of schools, yeah. Well, Auburn ought to go ahead and make that $2 million payday and make it happen. I mean, you know, they get off as a line, a guy like that, they can go places. You know? Yeah, oh, I mean, uh, he's certainly been really good at Washington. I mean, 66% passer, 300 yards a game, 26 touchdowns. He's had a really good year. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Go get him. Why waste any time? Go ahead and put the money out there. If you're gonna spend some good money, spend it on something like that. Yeah, no, I I, I think Auburn should be spending on a quarterback this offseason. Absolutely, I, I'm no no brushback for me. And man, it would be it would be cool to have another quarterback in here named Cam. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I want to ask y'all: um, the uh, new uh, Texas A and M uh, coach that's uh, formerly of Duke. Uh, yes. What was his salary when he was at Duke? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I know it's going to be seven million to A and M, but I'll 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 double check what it was at Duke. I don't think it was no more than three million dollars there, right? I wouldn't think. Maybe close to four. Maybe not that much. Yeah, I, I think probably in the threes to fours. Um, I, Duke, obviously, as we all know, basketball for, uh, first program. Uh, right now, all that's coming up is uh, his his A and M contract. I'll still try to look to see don't what that Duke contract was. Don't you think they prob- probably could have got him cheaper than that? They probably could ha- could have, but he still ranks about ni- uh, eighth or ninth in the league, and uh, and what the uh, what the SEC is paying guys. So it, uh, on the surface, it f- that did feel high. I agree with you, but uh, if I look at the list right now, uh, let's see: Saban eleven point four, Kirby ten point seven, Brian Kelly nine point nine, Mark Stoops and Josh Heupel nine million, and Lane Kiffin nine million, Billy Napier seven point two, and then Elko at seven. Well, you know, you talking about paying a man seven. Don't get me wrong; now he uh, won some games at Duke and got him bowl eligible and all that good stuff and make some noise. But I don't know if he's quite worth seven million dollars right off the bat just yet. I mean, maybe work his way up to that, but. Uh, 
you know, uh, that's a whole lot of money for somebody who ain't won a conference title as a head coach. If I'm not mistaken, he hadn't done that yet, right? Uh, that, that's correct. And I did find the figure. It was $3.5 million at Duke. 3.5. Yeah, probably could have yes, got him for $5 million would have been more like it. $5 million. Oh, yeah, I'd say about 5 may have been more like it for him. I mean, he ain't even challenged for a conference title or nothing yet. And already throughout $7 million a year over six years, that's $42 million, right? Yeah, and look, and Anthony, I I agree that that yeah. I agree certainly that that seven feels like more. But again, if if it were five, just for instance, he would be the the third lowest paid coach in the league. Only Vandy and Mississippi State would be paying their coaches less. So I'm sure that he still had some. When when we all know how much money Texas A and M has, I'm sure that uh, he he and his agent were aware of how much money A and M had. So they at least wanted him to be on par with the rest of the SEC. And now they're paying it, and then Jimbo will get his $7 million to his thing is paid out, right? Uh, yeah, well, no, it's yeah, it's paid out in increments. He gets the first half of it now, and then he gets $7 million per for like the next uh, six years, something like that, five years. Man, that's a lot of money to be paying. And you got those systems got to be paid, too. But, of course, they got the money and everything. But I just wonder, uh, in three years, would he be bringing somebody else to a and 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 doing the same thing all over again? Uh, well, given their history, very very possible. They're yeah. still looking for the right guy. They have been for a long time. But I will say one more thing because I know y'all getting close to a break or whatnot. But uh, Mississippi State, there's no there's no reason to be firing anybody at Mississippi State. Mississippi State just going to be Mississippi State. They'll be looking for another coach, if not next year, in two years. Well, so my, my thought on that is, though, wouldn't we agree, Anthony, that, that – Dan Mullen and Mike Leach at least elevated Mississippi State above what it, what it had been at, and so and Jackie Sherrill, Jackie Sherrill before that, Jackie Sherrill had some really good teams there. So so you know, look, is are they ever going to win a national title? No, but in this age where you can get to a twelve team playoff, Dan Mullen actually would have had them in that Dak Prescott year. They would have gotten in the in the top twelve. So these teams whether fair or foul they're going to aspire to at least get to about nine wins and it peak at 10 because if you can get 10 wins in this league even if it's just once you're going to go to the playoff and and so with how backwards they went how quick after Mike Leach's unfortunate passing I think that they a they wanted Arnett to follow more in Leach's footsteps since he had started to get them on the right track again and then b they realized being Mississippi state you can't afford to fall behind for long because it's really tough if your state to climb out of that that grave of the sec what did a lot of players transfer out of at the leech does uh I, i'm not familiar with their numbers I, I i mean obviously they kept their quarterback they did keep a couple of their top receivers i i did not think they lost enough to to miss a bowl game this year let me put it that way i tell you well i, I would like to see that guy get another year because you never know how that first year may go but I guess that's just what it is, but well, and we, and we talked about this uh, before on the show with him. Yeah, it, it seems weird, but that makes you think that there had to be something going on behind closed doors and something within the program that was that was not gelling. I think that was more than just wins and losses, because yeah, typically you would give the guy a little bit more time, but I, I just I have a gut feeling there was some stuff behind the scenes, behind closed doors that just weren't gelling with what they wanted to have happen, and that's why they let him go. Well, it could be. Well, guys, uh, who y'all picking for this weekend uh, championship game? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to be tough. I, I think I'm going with Georgia. I mean, Georgia, too much uh, offense. Well, I, I, I think that. 
I think that their offense is really good. What I'm interested is can they get Milrow on the ground when yeah. they need to get him on the ground because he's so fast. He obviously steps out of so many sacks, then makes them into 20 and 30 yard plays. And Milrow's improvement this year has been real. He he is clearly better than he was the first three or four games of the year. So that's what gives me a lot of pause. I, I think if this game was played six weeks ago, I would have been very confident in Georgia. Now I, I think it's a one-possession game. I, I'm going to lean Georgia, but I, I'm not very convicted by it. Oh. I'm, kind of the, I'm kind of the same way. I'm going with Georgia, but I, I'm i not just like I, – I would not put any money on it. That That's for darn sure. Well, let's say if Georgia loses – then you think they should still go to the play at 14 playoff or they should just be eliminated altogether? Oh, I know we did this a couple weeks yeah. ago with you. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I, I think there, I think that we should have a bigger playoff and I think they should both go in a, in a normal, uh, you know, having the right size of playoff, but in a 14 playoff, I do think winning your conference matters period. And these other teams that are undefeated, I mean, I don't know what else they're supposed to do between Michigan and, and if Washington beats Oregon again and all that. Uh, so I, I think they are out if they lose. I, I, I believe, yeah, I believe that if Alabama beats Georgia, then there will not be an SEC team in the playoffs if everybody else wins. Because I just I don't think, and and from everything that I've heard from what people are talking about is. They're going to look at that head-to-head between Alabama and Texas, and since Texas beat them, again, this is if Texas wins their conference championship, that right. Alabama would not jump Texas, that they would keep Texas in there due to the head-to-head victory. Even though knocking off the number one team in the country that's been ruled well, the division for the last two years. Yeah, well, yeah, because, you're, well, because yeah. see, you're trying, you're trying to jump a team from eight up into the top four when other people ahead of them win. So you're going to have to jump them over somebody that won and was undefeated. So Again, I, they I, should I, all be in. <laughs> they, oh yeah. they should all be – just be clear, they should all be in, but there's not enough spots. They should all be in. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I'll talk to you all later. Yes, sir, Anthony. All appreciate right. that phone call. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We do need to take – our first time out of the show in a shortened edition of Sports Call today. When we come back, we'll go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Don FM, Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here today. Want some breaking news? Uh, yeah. Did it? Did something happen while I was 
answering the phone? Uh, six minutes ago. Okay. Chris Lowe from ESPN reporting. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Bobby Petrino has agreed to return oh, official. to Razorback football as offensive coordinator, and a deal is being finalized. Sources tell ESPN. That's awesome. And and here's why it's awesome. That's going that's unnecessarily dramatic. I don't remember the last time this has happened, and I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> I have no idea if it'll be good or not. Just like I had no idea if Petrino would work at AM. The head coach of a program returns a decade later to be a coordinator. A, a disgraced head coach. Uh-huh. A dis- very, a very disgraced head coach returns. Oh man, a, a disgraced in a non-football field way. Oh yeah, uh, because obviously what he did on the field at Arkansas was very good. Uh, he he was a good coach at Arkansas. Uh, but wow, uh, I mean, look, Sam Pittman is taking the same hail mary shot that Jimbo Fisher worked out, or or Jimbo Fisher uh, tried. Jimbo Fisher is without a job now, so take that for what you will, because I guarantee you if Sam Pittman has another year like this year, he will not have a job either. This is fascinating. I just can't. Also, also, uh, you know, because of the whole Jimbo Fisher and kind of the dominoes that fell, former Auburn quarterback Damian Craig uh, reportedly will not be part of the Aggie staff, so that's a guy that a lot of Auburn fans really look for. Now, how he would – how he would potentially fit here on on Hugh Freeze's staff, I don't know, but obviously Auburn fans would love nothing more than to get Damian Craig back here on campus. Uh, if anything, just for his recruiting prowess. But yeah, Damian Craig, part of the dominoes falling in Aggieland yeah. from all that. But yeah, so Chris Lowe reporting that Bobby Petrino will be the next head coach at Arkansas. No. Or I'm sorry, the All next that. offensive coordinator <laughs> at Arkansas. That would be more believable. Uh, true. Honestly, that uh, is now okay. Uh, running wild theories now. Is he about to Kevin steal that? <laughs> I mean, you know, I it just I, I, I mean, hey, I'm going <laughs> to score 30 points a game. We're going to go five and seven. Remember when I was good here once? Yeah. You want to get him out of here so I can take this back over? Yeah. I'm just saying that that has. And I and again, uh, Sam Pittman's so incredibly likable. I I hope that it works out for him. I hope they don't beat Auburn, obviously. Uh, but but uh, that that set up for a drama that I never knew Arkansas could produce there. Yeah, that that is something else. I did want to comment one more uh, time. We were talking to Anthony before that uh, that break, and again, just go through that list of coaches' salaries in the SEC one more time with the seven million. That Elko's going to be paid against Saban's 11.4, Kirby 10.7, Brian Kelly 9.9. Three-way tie for fourth between Heupel, Kiffin, and Stoops at nine. That means seventh place Billy Napier 7.2. Right in the middle is where Elko is at seven. Then Hugh Freeze is ninth at 6.5 million. Pittman 6.3, Beamer 6.1, Drinkwitz 6. Levy, who just signed with State, 4.5. They got him cheap. And then Clark Lee... Um, you know, manning the Vanderbilt program, three million. So, I, I don't know exactly what Venables and and uh, Sarkeesian are at. I imagine they're at large figures, being where they're at. Yeah. So they'll probably go towards the top half of of that list. Uh, but so Elko's in the middle. Uh, again, I got what Anthony was saying that the credentials maybe not there, but that's just the going fee for a, a competent SEC program at, at this time. 
and even Pitt, I mean even Pittman is at six six point what what I would say one three, uh, and, and he's uh, very much on the, on the hot seat there. So and Napier at, at over seven millions on the hot seat. That's just kind of the yeah the the state of coaching salaries right now. And that and then that Damian Craig bit that is going to be interesting to watch not only for Auburn but just the Cam Coleman piece of it too because right. now officially you've lost your head coach that you committed to and your wide receiver coach, your position coach. I mean, that's right. that's the double whammy there. Elko's a defensive guy, so I don't know inherently if he would have the connection to Coleman. Uh, so, so certainly that would seem to help. Well, I mean, he would, he definitely wouldn't have the connection there coming from a different school and being a defensive guy. I and mean, obviously, you know, he's going to have to hire a whole new offensive coordinator, hire a whole new wide receiver coach. And I mean – for a kid like Cam Coleman, I mean, that puts things in limbo. So maybe that is – maybe there's a reason he was decked out in Auburn gear yeah. here for the Iron Bowl. He was, yeah. If you if you, if you you did not see that picture out there, he was in a uh, all-Auburn stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Again, signing day is December 20th. It's about three weeks away yeah. from that. Uh, and Auburn trying to flip multiple guys there, obviously. We need to go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line now, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing very, very, very much. I'm recovering, uh, to say the least. Thanks for asking. Yes, sir. Uh, Tom? Yes. Ryan? Uh, I just heard your comments about Petrino, and my my comments what it's worth. Have we no shame? Have we no shame? <laughs> What's with Arkansas? I mean, how do you do this? You just fired him a while back for inappropriate behavior off the field, but now you're saying, yeah, we'll give you another shot? Same people? Well, what changed? Yeah, time. I mean, time heals all wounds, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, Is there no shame? No, no, no. I mean, you know, even his late guy says, I don't care what your name is. I care about what character. Well, I, I, I know. But, again, I, I think that, again, it was it was bad stuff for sure, 100%. But if you can maintain a certain level of, uh, of, of change since then, which I don't know. I, again, they, is it the, just win, baby, win? I, well, to a degree, yes. I mean, that, that's the, that, the truth is yes. That, that, is, that is what the case is everywhere. But... Uh, you know, it is it is certainly a fascinating decision, and and it, even if even if you remove the the reason why he was fired, just the premise of a head coach returning to be not a head coach at the same school. I mean, just imagine if Malzahn right. returned here to to work under Hugh Freeze in a couple of years. You know, so I mean, it, it is it is still a very weird situation. We'll see. Well, I can't wait to see how it goes, guys. That'd be different if I used to be. Let's say that I was. Uh, in my previous job, a director of a program, which I was, and then I got let go, but then later on they offered me a position, but not as a director, right. but merely as an employee. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think most people wouldn't. I think it would take a very, very special circumstance, and uh, I guess this qualified for Petrino. Okay, well, let's keep going. Speaking of shame, uh, apparently Sports Illustrated has now gone into the shameless category. This comes, and I said, I got to bring this up. I know some of you guys are journalists. I know if you are, Ryan, or not, but I know some of your staff are. And it comes from uh, uh, website dot com. It says, Sports Illustrated reportedly created fake authors 
for AI-generated articles complete with phony headshots and biographies. And they, and I'm reading, apparently a uh, uh, another company that goes for fact-checking is called Futurism. Well, they found out, apparently, that uh, Yale Sports Illustrated has been publishing AI-generated content and disguising it by including bylines and photos for authors that don't exist. Wow. Yeah, you know, I will say this as a side. I know maybe not looking for the bigger picture here, but I'm going to present one. It's going to be increasingly difficult in society to know what's real or not. Uh, the AI stuff is wild. I'm not a fan of the vast majority of it. It has its good purposes from different sorts of technology and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's not all bad, but the potential side effects are potentially very bad. And, uh, you know, that part of it is the, the reader might not care as much, but, uh, yeah, the people that work in the industry, I mean, a lot of people, and, you know, that goes for, that's been going on in, in very hands-on uh, with assembly line stuff and that sort of thing, having machines replace people. That that's a that's a a, a a work issue. We just saw this in the strike in Hollywood, the writers' strike. That 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 is only going to continue to be more alarming and having to have more of a resistance to that technology taking everyone's jobs, basically. So it, it is uh, there there again. There are benefits. There's not. Let's say you know we have every right to try and progress and 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 create better technologies, but. Uh, you, we have to be careful, uh, and and even though this is a much smaller scale thing than some of the bigger things I just mentioned, it, it's still uh, it, it's alarming in my opinion. Well, I just want because it's sports related. It is sports related, Sports Illustrated, and when asked for comments, nothing yet. Uh, the union, by the way, uh, uh, the union workers uh, at uh, Sports Illustrated <laughs> said we are horrified by a story on the site. Uh, reporting this Sports Illustrated parent company, the Arena, has published AI-generated content. Uh, and then we don't say, we deplore being associated with something so disrespectful to our readers. We demand answers and transparency. And, 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 it, and there is a website, guys, I didn't even know this, that apparently Sports Illustrated and other people go to, and you purchase fake bios and fake photos of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. Not, okay. not great. I don't, uh, time is uh, really short here. So, Tom, I want to let you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you uh, were willing to disclose your own uh, miserableness, I'll, I'll, I'll misery loves company. I also, Saturday night, did not eat a darn thing. Yeah. I didn't feel like it. My wife said, are you going to eat anything? I said, nope. <laughs> uh, the same damn way uh, on the uh, 2013 uh, FSU championship game. I didn't eat a darn thing that night. I went to bed. Maybe about eight thirty, nine o'clock, and that was it for me. So I just want to make sure uh, you were by yourself. Misery loves company. Yeah. Speaking of misery loves company, guys, um, did you happen to see the little video clip? I just had to catch it. I said, "Wow, really? You're going to do this?" Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler. Did you see that? Uh, Them in the uh, studio going crazy. Yeah, yeah, going crazy. Well, it's one thing to say, "Wow, what a heck of a play," you know, but they didn't do that. They went beyond that, guys. I said. Aren't you supposed to be a little bit more professional than this? Are you pulling for one team? And they were high-fiving each other. The only time I remember high-fiving somebody is when they're on the same team that I'm pulling for or we both uh, are agreeing on something. 
Guys, what do you make of that? Am I being too sensitive? Yes. Too much of it? <laughs> you think I am? Yeah, because I, 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 I think that was appropriate. Well, well, here's the thing. The reason I the reason I think you're being too sensitive, I think if the roles were reversed and Auburn hit that play to win, they would have been celebrating and high-fiving. Uh, like they were not cheering for Alabama. I think they were cheering for the, uh, the unlikelihood yeah. of that play and just how stunning the end of that game was. Uh, well, like I said, if, five, if, it, if it, well, because they were just excited, they they're football fans. They are, you know, Kirk Herbstreet's a, I mean, he's an unabashed Ohio State fan because I mean he went there. Uh, so you know, but uh, you know, Fowler's not really a, a fan of any uh, specific team that I'm aware of. Um, they're just football fans. They were reacting to the end of an amazing football game and an unlikely finish to a game. Like I said, if it was Auburn that completed a fourth and 31 to, to win it, they would have been celebrating and high-fiving each other for that too. It, it was them celebrating a football play, not celebrating Alabama. All right, that's your take, but I'm telling you right now, that is not the majority take of the people. Of Auburn fans. Of Auburn no, fans. No, yeah. not Auburn fans. Uh, I've been going to other social media websites and people wondering why they high five it over, you know, Alabama winning. Yeah, I could see them, you know, saying, "Oh my gosh, what a tremendous play!" But high five and they couldn't get it either. All right, we'll leave that alone. Uh, you know, I forgot to say about the, the good stuff yesterday, and there there is good stuff on Auburn sports. The volleyball women's team, yeah, made it for the second year in a row. Yep, to seven the, seed NCAA uh, 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 playoffs. So they're going to be seeing playing Western Michigan on TV uh, tomorrow at three o'clock. Right? Yes. Is it Western no, Michigan 30, or Appalachian 30. State? No, says Thursday. They're playing Western Michigan. Okay. I thought I saw something okay. where they're playing App, App State or something. Uh, no, no. They're in volleyball. They're playing, uh, um, uh, anyway, they're playing at 3 o'clock, and it's uh, KFC uh, Arena. Yeah, in, L- and, in Louisville, I think. Yeah, in Louisville. And then, uh, guys, uh, I also see where we got to play, of course, Virginia Tech uh, uh, tomorrow night. Um, Virginia Tech. I, I haven't followed them. How good or bad? I mean, how much of a struggle should this be for us? Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about it uh, tomorrow, Steve. Uh, but but okay. but Virginia Tech is not off to a good start this year. Uh, they they are usually a bubble type team in the NCAA tournament, uh, and they are they are not off to a good start. So Auburn at home, they absolutely should be favored. And I I don't think there's a line out yet because it's prior to 24 hours before. But Auburn might be even favored by double digits. It might be 10 or 11. Okay. Now, this is the last time I'll go back to the game Saturday. Um, the officiating, we all agree, was really horrendous on both sides for both teams. i got to ask you, though, guys, that face mask was so blatant. Uh, is something like that now reviewable? Uh, no. The, the coaches, I mean, he was livid. Uh, you, uh, you knew Freeze was livid about it. He couldn't say, I want to review? Yeah, no. No, 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 you can't. You can't do that in the NFL either. There's only... Very certain things pertaining to penalties that are reviewable, such as if a ball was tipped for pass interference or not, because if the ball's tipped, it wipes it. They can targeting. look at something like that. They can look at targeting, obviously. They can look at, see if there's 12 men on the field, but they they can't look at, at something like that, no. All uh, right. I just wonder, how in the world did they overlook that one? Yeah, no, I, no, it was egregious for sure. I, I mean, his, his head almost got ripped off, yeah. All right, then Anthony mentioned about uh, Mike Elko. And uh, I've seen here uh, all of his incentives. Did you read all the incentives that he's getting? Yeah, but most of them are not going to be attained because he's. I mean, he's got to make the playoff and and win a bunch of stuff, basically. Okay, I'm just wondering uh, what what explains why I guess takes him thought he was worth more, but we got I guess freeze at a bargain uh, basement uh, 
uh, I guess, uh, uh, contract? I mean, you know, again, it's a $500,000 difference, which to us means a lot. But to them, I mean, that's, that's percentage-wise not a huge difference. Uh, you're talking about one year later. You're talking about A&M knowing that they have all the money in the world. Um, you know, Freeze has has a lot of incentives he's going to get. I think he gets a retention bonus every year uh, of a, a hundred or two hundred thousand. So his, his salary will slightly increase no matter what. Uh, it's it's a it's, in my opinion it's a, a negligible uh, difference. And we're about out of time for this hour, Steve. Okay. Well, that's it, guys. I have a safe afternoon and evening. Thank you for taking my phone calls always. And uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we are out of time in a quick moving first hour of the program. Still ahead, again, a little bit of a shortened hour number two as Borgard High School basketball comes your way at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. So another 30 to 40 minutes of the show coming up after this time out. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. Our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. And the second hour is our final hour because of high school basketball coming up here on Tiger 95.9 in just about an hour or so. So let's lead off the second and final hour of the program by going back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Terry from Auburn. Terry is with us. Terry, good to hear from you today. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Ryan. How you and Tom doing? Doing very well. Doing great. Fantastic. Guys, I hate to put you all on the spot. I don't like to do this to people because I don't like when somebody does it to me, but what kind of class do you think Albert's finished with, and where do you think Cam Colvin ends up? You're per- I'm talking about Ryan and Tom's sure. opinion. Uh, I, so I I personally I, I think Cam Coleman is going to come to Auburn. I, I just I, I believe that. I think all signs are pointing to that right now, even though all signs pointed to that before he went to A&M. Uh, I feel good about that. Um, I believe that this class is going to be a – a top 10 class i think it's going to be kind of around that 9 10 area um they're they're they just don't have enough yet to like be up there in that top five area but 
I, I could see them being around nine, ten, maybe eleven, but it's going to be right up there, either either you know, kind of barely a top ten class or really flirting with top ten. Yeah, I, I would second most of that. I I really do feel that Cam Coleman's going to end up flipping. The crystal balls are over ninety percent. If you're looking on on three, uh, we talked earlier in the show about Damian Craig now officially out at Texas A&M. That would have been kind of the last connection there that would have been obvious for him and this previous staff. Uh, and we'll have to see where Craig ends up, obviously. But uh, I, I think they're going to end up getting Coleman. I think they're going to flip two to three more guys. Uh, I think they're at 18 commits right now, and they're 15th in the industry rankings and on three. Their average suggests that they're a top 10 class right now. Again, they're just lacking that quantity. So once they get up to about 22 or 23, then, yeah, I think right around that 10th, 9th position uh, is ultimately where they're going to end up. Well, I'm all about some receivers because I am sick and tired. This has been going on for a long time now, for as long as I can remember, a good 10 years, uh, that Auburn's receivers have dropped passes. That's not nothing that's happened recently. That's been going on a while. Sure. Well, uh, back to Tommy Tuberville, receivers constantly drop passes. Yeah, and when I, I'll tell you this. The, the drop passes is concerning um, with the group of wide receivers they have. Uh, right now, my biggest concern with them is their inability to get off of coverage and to get open. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't like the, the amount of drops, but, I mean, they actually had less drops this year than they've had in a couple of previous years. They were, like, in the 20s of drop pass. I think they were, like, at 18. I guess uh, when you throw 18 times a game, it feels like uh, it's yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, my, my biggest concern was the fact that those guys just could not seem to get away from coverage. Uh, and th- to me, that's more of a concern than, than the drops because – yeah, I mean, drops are definitely concerning, but, I mean, dang, if you can't even get open, then it's hard to even get a pass thrown your way. And then, obviously, you put your quarterback in a bad situation when you know, he may have the best best protection in the world, but the receivers can't even get off of a coverage. Then, you know, then you just – you don't even have the opportunity to drop the pass because they can't get the ball to you. Yeah, but at the same time, Ryan and Tom, I tell you, when you complete five passes, you can compete. You do it. That's pretty good. I, yeah, uh, but I mean Auburn's definitely looking for more than that. I, I just don't. I just don't think Alabama's as good as people. There, the, I think that eleven one record is sort of deceiving because I don't think the conference is that good this year. And so we'll we'll see. I'm not taking anything away from it. It's a fourth and thirty one, which totally inexcusable. But hey, it happened. Whatever. You know. Well, I mean, uh, I, Milrow has definitely shown massive improvements over what we saw at the beginning of the year. Where I mean, he actually got benched if you remember. Yeah. Um, I he has he has definitely improved drastically. I, I do wonder though if some of their again you look at what happened this year and last year. I mean, it is fair to point out if if they're at LSU or at Tennessee this year. I mean, if they're at Tennessee down twenty to seven and a half, what what ends up happening this year right. versus last year? So I mean, I, I think that I think look they they clearly have improved, but I do think that you're right that early this year the SEC kind of got their face pushed in a little bit by these other conferences and non-conference games. I mean, Mississippi State, I think, ended up with the best non-conference win when they beat Arizona. Uh, Arizona ended up being a top-20 team, so good for State, I guess. But there was not much to hang the SEC hat on uh, in the early part of the year. I certainly think that the bare minimum some other conferences caught them. And see, I've always been been saying that that – that Alabama's beaten nobody, nobody this year that is their equal. They've beaten everybody on talent. They have more talent than everybody except Georgia, and that's who they're going to play Saturday. 
Yeah. I, no, I am not. The one team they played that had talent equal to them was Texas, and they beat them. Yeah. I, but now, the, the one thing, everything that you say is right. The only thing that I, I, I just warn about is that same reason. Same reason that I said that Auburn was either going to win or make this game extremely close in uh, in the Iron Bowl in Jordan-Hare Stadium just because Auburn just seems to play out of their minds in, in the Iron Bowl in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I am not really – I'm not ready to just chalk that up as a win to Georgia because every single time it feels like that you doubt Alabama and you think that they're done and gone, they play the game of their life. And it's like – it's I, I can't explain it. It's one of those weird, anomalous things – they are good. You know they're good. I do think Georgia is better, but, man, time and time again, as soon as you think Bama is not going to be able to get it done, they have the game of their life. And, and I think the question that horseshoe, they got stuck up their rear end. <laughs> so and, the and there's line. that. So, yeah, I don't think this is as talented as Alabama teams as Georgia's played in the past. I don't mean they're going to win. don't mean Georgia's going to win, but that, no. I don't think, think Jalen Mills is anywhere near Mac Jones or Tua at all. No, I, I don't. But the other thing is, I I don't think Georgia is as good this year as some of their other teams. Now they are oh, no, they are definitely they're better. They're, they're, oh, you think they're better? Oh, you okay. think? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't. I, I I I think their defense lacks a little bit more than they have had, even though that defense is still phenomenal. Don't disagree with that. I I think they they just not as good. And then I, I do mean, see I, how I, you I, could I, say the offense is better though. They're because better quarterback, of a better receiver, I think. I can see that. Yeah. I hear, well, Tom, here, here's, yeah. let me let me give you this, though. I think that they have had increasingly over these three years more of a on and off factor. When right. they're playing a good team, they're on and they care, and they stomped Ole Miss and they stomped some other teams this year. And then when they're when they don't care as much, when they don't respect their opponent as much, they're just like, eh, we'll 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 find enough talented plays. In the game, so I at least I think when Georgia gives a damn, they 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 still have it absolutely. Yeah. I I think my my whole thing with Georgia and, and maybe it's just you know maybe I've fallen that that trap of like name recognition guys. I mean because yeah, I, you got Brock Bowers, you got Lad McConkey. Hey, you know Beck has done a really good job coming in to start at quarterback this year, but it's like uh, you know I don't know I don't feel like that they're. I don't feel like this year they're loaded with like all those guys like you've seen in past. It's like, goodness gracious, there's like three first round draft picks at wide receiver and a first round draft pick at running back, and it, it feels like they don't quite have that star power, even though they have really good players. But it's like Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, and then it's like a bunch of other guys that are really good. But you they're know, really good on the offensive line, and they, and they are very good on the offensive line because yeah. And does any word talk about the Auburn football season? This will be the last thing, guys. Describe the of the inconsistency. You play the two best teams within ten points, and you lose to New Mexico State by three touchdowns. I, uh, yeah, I mean inconsistency in this Auburn team this year. That's that's been one of the big things. Uh, yeah. Inconsistency in the passing game, inconsistency in the blocking game, inconsistency in the running game. Uh, some definitely some inconsistencies on defense, as you saw against New Mexico State. I mean, a defense that. You know, played like their hair was on fire against Georgia and Alabama, and then against New Mexico State, just could not stop anything. And so, yeah, I, yeah uh, this this football team this year was very, very inconsistent, uh, really all around. I mean, from coaching staff all the way down to the water boy. 
it, it's yeah. been very inconsistent. Appreciate it, guys. You have a good day. Absolutely, Terry. We appreciate that phone call. That is Terry from Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Uh, good stuff right there from Terry. Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, man, the Georgia, I know he brought up Georgia, Alabama. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be hitting on it more later in the week as we get to the conference championship games on Friday and Saturday. Uh, that one feels increasingly more difficult to call, but I, I do think that there's a hint of truth in both Alabama has improved, but also Georgia has still maybe found a way to be undervalued because, again, I'm not sure of the game that they really cared about that they did not show up in a big way. You can say, oh, you know, Georgia Tech hung around and Auburn hung around and and, and, and all that great stuff. But, yeah, how did it go when they played these, these top 25 teams? Really, the uh, Missouri game was the only one that they just did not flat out thump, but they had control for the majority of that game. And so I think what it is 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 the they're fighting the human nature part of it where, yeah, not everybody on that team was on last year's team and, and that sort of thing. But it's like, for the most part, we're going to pick and choose our battles. We want to beat Tennessee. They're ranked. You think this is a great environment? We'll show you it's not. Well, Ole Miss has only lost to Alabama. Well, we're going to beat by Ole Miss by way more than Alabama beat them by. You thought Kentucky – you really thought Kentucky, a basketball school, was going to challenge us just because they had a little number by their name? No, we're going to beat you by 40 points. Yeah. So I, I just think that they have been maybe less consistent in their dominance. And I, it's not the way I would want a football team to operate. I wouldn't want to say, oh, I'm going to give this one 98%. I'm going to this one 92%. I'm going to this one 105%. You know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want it to be that way, but I think that that's a little bit of human nature and the realization that, yeah, we're we're better than everything we play and we don't right. need it every week. Uh, but this Alabama game will kind of prove uh, the point for or against that. If they can go beat Alabama, and, and can it, they don't have to win by f- some absurd number, but if they control this game, if they're always leading this game and they win it by, by two possessions – then I think that that shows you that they have still had all the the muscle you could want there. Now, obviously, if Alabama's controlling it, if they dang near win it or win it, then that that shows you Georgia's vulnerability and it, it got exposed. But I, I think that there's just been a, a bit to Georgia where they have just kind of picked and choose their battles. And as a two-time reigning national champion – I, they're still an undefeated team here, uh, and, and they still uh, survived a couple of their closer stuff. And Because, again, nothing logically about them, and I feel like this can prove the point, and I'll stop about it. Georgia beat Ole Miss and Kentucky and Tennessee by more points than they beat Vanderbilt. Yeah. If that's not a team that didn't give a crap in some of their games, I don't know what is, because Vandy was still absolutely for a really good team and name your score team. Uh, so I, I, I again and look it, it might it might cost them because you got to play now three great ones in a row you got to play an SEC title game assuming you get past that you get in the playoff you got to play two great ones there so they'll have to be consistently great from here on out but the, their ceiling still is is every bit in my opinion the, the way it was the last two years uh, and and, uh, and and I know that there may not be quite as many first round guys on the roster. That's because they had ungodly amounts the last couple of years. But you got to think skill position wise too. I mean, other than Pickens, I'm not thinking of a big time skill position guy the last couple of years. 
Uh, so having Bowers to that still uh, has been big. And, and again, Beck was even playing well without Bowers, so he was taking advantage of uh, of what they had there. One quick thing on the recruiting thing, since Terry brought that up, and they're going to take uh, what might be our final break, depending on this uh, Borgard time. Uh, Auburn, it is important to note that right now Auburn is still 15th in the rankings, and we have talked up this class. They have undeniably got three or four studs, They've gotten a couple of key flips, but it is important to go get you three to five more yep. between now and signing date, or else that class, although it's average, it averages out as a top ten class just on on quality of recruit, it, it will be a little thinner in number. And normally I would say, well, I don't care, 19 versus 24, not a huge deal. And maybe it still isn't. But as Auburn is trying to recover from the loss of depth that they've suffered in the last three or four cycles, I think it is pretty important to get that extra quantity. Now, it still needs to be good quality. I'm not saying throw it to a two-star. <laughs> give, give the number 943 player a bone. I'm not saying that. Right. But I'm saying it is important to go ahead and get you three to five more pretty big horses to add to the class because I do think the numbers are important at the front end of this. They Year four, year five of the program, you just take 15 to 20 great quality ones, you're going to be fine. But but I think that they do need to add to it. It's why Coleman's important. Important. I keep talking about another A&M commit right now in Cohen Ackles because Auburn, if you were to pick at their class just a little bit in terms of, of what they've got and, and what they still need, They've got one big-time offense alignment in DeAndre Carter, and the other couple commits are lower-rated guys. So they could stand to get another four-star lineman because each class you're wanting to get really four to five linemen. I mean, you want to get about a full unit of linemen right. each cycle. And if two, if only one of them is a, is a dude, only one of them is, is in your top 10 or 11 commits, top 12 commits even, then, then that tells me they could definitely stand – uh, to, to get another one there. So that's why I, I, I know Coleman is still the most important. He's absolutely the most important, in my opinion, too. But don't undersell if they can end up getting Cohen Eccles, uh, the, the, the current, another current A&M commit, because the, in my opinion, they are still a little short there on Lyman. And also, that was also the, the, the fault of Malzahn's staff, because, again – I, I've I've wanted to always be very clear because it's kind of written off as he was not as good of a recruiter or not a great recruiter. They had the the ranking of class every year that you expect, just about every year. They were in the top ten every year, but it was offensive line that they did not get that covered, mm-hmm. and they recruited some big time receivers that didn't work out. So you could still put receivers in there just from what actually they got out of it. But it's obvious everyone understands they didn't get what they needed in line. And so for me to see, okay, this is a, a good class. They're starting to change the narrative in a lot of ways. I still would love another big-time offensive lineman at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, you got to have those. Uh, I mean, that offensive line is a very, very important piece of the puzzle there. Uh, as we have seen, uh, the struggles that Auburn has had because of the failures recruiting at that offensive line position. So, yeah, it's huge. And uh, Carter, uh, huge, huge get uh, to be able to go out to California and convince a kid to come all the way here from California and fight off some late pushes from 
the likes of Texas and some others for him. So that's a big get. But yeah, you got to get more. Um, it's great to have the one. But you got to have more. And uh, and they're in on some. They're definitely in on some guys. They're trying to. Uh, everybody keeps talking about the flips from wide receiver. That's a thing, but. You know, if you can flip some other guys at that offensive line position, maybe find some other guys to get in on. And then, of course, also uh, the portal, even though offensive lines are not really a big portal spot. Uh, you know, not where like skill positions. You can find some, but, uh, you know, but you got to do what you, you you have to. You have to fill out that. And like you said, you want to try to, for each recruiting cycle, you want to try to have, you know, a group of guys, not just one or two. So a uh, very important spot there for Auburn to try to improve their their positioning and where they're at right now with that offensive line. We're going to head to what uh, will probably be our last timeout of the show today. Again, Borgard High School basketball coming up uh, at the top of the hour with Tim Sin, Brooks Childress, and the guys out there at Borgard High School. So we're going to take one final timeout and start to wrap up this shortened edition of Sports Call here on this Tuesday afternoon, Tiger 95.9. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. I'm Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Appreciate Terry for calling in on the other side of that break. As we continue on with the show here again, coming up in just a little bit, Borgard High School basketball in action, our first broadcast of the year. Uh, expecting that game to start around 5 o'clock or so. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll let you know on that. But uh, this could be our last uh, 10 or 15 minutes with everyone here today. Obviously a fast-moving show uh, because of that, but we've hit on a lot of the main things we wanted to hit on. We've already talked some transfer portal, a couple Auburn guys in the portal, two uh, two freshman defensive linemen, Steven Johnson and the Sledge. Auburn rumored to be targeting some quarterback options in the portal, such as Cam Ward, maybe Riley Leonard. Uh, at Duke, guys that are already in the portal or about to head to the portal, um, the tampering that uh, kind of just exists, kind of a nature to it. So we're keeping track of that. Uh, and then also uh, we, we've talked to some callers about uh, Alabama and Georgia coming up on Saturday in the SEC title game. We'll get more into those conference championship games a little bit later in the week. Uh, let's while we have some time though, Tom, let's talk a little bit about the the coaching decisions that have already been made. We didn't mention the Bobby Petrino news at Arkansas, which is just odd and going to be <laughs> dramatic. Yeah, we mentioned Damian Craig departing from A and M. We'll yep. see 
if that furthers Auburn's case for Cam Coleman. We'll see if Damian Craig becomes a part of Auburn staff or someone else's staff moving forward and that sort of thing. Uh, and we've yet to talk about the the head coaching decisions that have been made no. in the SEC. Jeff Levy to Mississippi State, and then Mike Elko, which has been mentioned in passing uh, to Texas A&M. So what did you think about uh, those two head coaching hires in the SEC? Um, one, one I could – so the Mississippi State hire of Levy I think is really good. I mean, that's a guy with an outstanding offensive mind. Uh, and I think – he fits with what you would expect to, uh, Mississippi State to do. Uh, you know, an offensive coordinator, proven offensive coordinator, needs to prove himself. Uh, you know, in the head coaching realms and things like that. But I mean, you know, he's a great offensive mind, and Mississippi State is is that school that a lot of times you're going to have that jump start type coach uh, getting their head coaching going. So that one, I got uh, the A and M hire to me is is a little more surprising. Um, I think Elko is a great head coach. I think he has proven that he's a great head coach, but I really fully expected that A&M was going to shoot higher than that. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of surprised there. I, I don't know exactly who I was expecting A&M to shoot for, but I thought that they might shoot higher than Elko. Um, I could have seen Elko e- as easily going to Mississippi State as, uh, as, as what they did. I felt that would be more along the lines of where I would see an Elko go, not A and M. I thought A and M would go. I I honestly thought A and M would throw uh, as many Brinks trucks as they could find to, you know, a national championship caliber coach. Uh, I. I said this before. I never in a million years thought that it was was going to happen. So it's a, please don't misconstrue this but i figured a&m would at least have as many brink trucks as possible and go to somebody like kirby smart and go hey we can pay you an astronomical amount of money to leave georgia we can pay you more than georgia could ever even sniff at paying you come here and do for us what you have done at georgia I didn't think that was going to happen, but I figured that's the type of pie in the sky that A&M would shoot for with the money and the resources they have. Elko felt like, I don't know, I just I was kind of surprised by that one. That that one, I, it was a little bit lower than what I thought A&M would go after. Uh, but Lebby at Mississippi State, I thought that was like the perfect hire for them, and I think he can do great things there. Yeah, if you recall all along, I said if I were A&M, I would hire Mike Elko. So sure, I'm yeah. I'm... I'm going to give them decent marks for that particular decision. However, there is another part of this, which we'll get to in just a second, and that is that for about three hours it looked like it was going to be someone else. Right. Um, You know, I I think on Elko, he was the sensical – and maybe this is what Anthony is getting at earlier when he said, I thought he'd make less money than this. Again, we we talked about it's still eighth in the SEC, so it's not like it's some huge sum comparatively speaking. But – I thought A&M just needed to chill out, take a step back. Your money doesn't mean everything. Sure. Clearly it doesn't. You hired you hired a national champion coach. It uh, did and, not work and, out. And you had one good year, and it right. was the least important year. of. It was the COVID-shortened year. That was your one good year. Yeah. Uh, take a step back. Elko was with Jimbo for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He took a Duke program. Look, I get it's two years. See how it would have gone for longer. I don't know, but – 
it's hard to win at Duke, folks. <laughs> uh, David Cutcliffe Not many did have it. Done it. Yeah, David Cutcliffe did it for a while and Steve, fell, Steve, fell off. Steve Spurrier did it before Spurrier that. did it. And, and maybe but, maybe this is the next coming of Spurrier. You you have a guy that you know, like uh, you know, with uh, like Spurrier did it. Uh, Spurrier left from Duke and went to Florida and turned into the Spurrier that we know well, in Florida. Yeah. Maybe Elko does that at A and M. I don't know, but. No, I mean, no, I mean, it's yeah. a good hire. I'm not saying it's sure. a bad hire. You just thought they'd be weird and be, oh, absolutely. And be, and be money-filled. And, and, and look, that's yeah. not not crazy to think that because people with money usually do make big decisions. But right. I, I appreciate that they went what I feel like is a common-sense route. Now, the other thing, it's time to get to the other thing in that hire, is that for a couple hours it looked like it was going to be Mark Stoops. Yeah. And I can't tell. It feels like it was a Tennessee and Greg Schiano's situation, where the early feedback was so viciously negative that the fan base got A&M to pull that. Right. Now, Stoops did what he should do publicly and tweeted out, I understand there's been speculation about my job situation, yada, yada. I love the University of Kentucky. After our big rivalry win, how could I leave? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, which, again, PR-wise, you have to do. Sure. Now, does that mean, though, that he was the one to decline A&M? No. It's very well possible that he was in some sort of agreement, and A&M pulled it, and then Stoops, PRY, said, no, no, I was always going to stay at Kentucky. Yeah. I uh, bleed blue. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I bleed second, uh, second biggest uh, sport at this school. Yes. Uh, so... I, will we ever know? Maybe, maybe not. But again, I tend to lean towards it was another Tennessee and Shiano situation. Now, if I told you, Tom, compare your thoughts on Stoops versus Elko, if you're A and M, which one would you have preferred? Elko. Okay. But I, but I, I, I kind of. I mean, I, I kind of see them. I kinda, yeah, I mean, I kind of see them equally. Um, I mean, Stoops has done some great things at Kentucky. Now, this year has not been. Um, but, again, taking, a, taking over at a, a, a basketball school, if, you wanna, if we want to go that route, you know. But a, a, a team that has not traditionally had football success and found success with that program. Stoops has done that at Kentucky. Elko did that at Duke. So I kind of see the the similarities there. Um, obviously, Stoops been at Kentucky longer than Elko was at Duke, but um, I, you know, I see the comp- the comparisons there. I, I that's why I think that's kind of a I think that kind of equals out. It's like a wash. Um, to me, uh, to me, they both would have been for me surprising hires because again, like I said, I really thought A and M was going to go absurd and. I, Hire some like go after like Ryan Day, or or even more ridiculous like I said, go after somebody like Kirby Smart, or go after somebody like Dabo Sweeney, or even try to convince somebody like Lincoln Riley to leave Southern Cal and come back. Just be be to, wild, yeah. Yeah, I really expected A and M to do something just absurdly rich boy crazy, and they didn't. Um, but if they don't go rich boy crazy, then I think Elko is your better choice over stoops but i think i think they're both on that equal playing field they, they've both 
proven that they are very good head coaches and have you know established programs that don't have traditional football prowess to them. Yeah, I just think look, I would have preferred Elko too because I just think that there is a more 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 of a ceiling there, more of a wonder about what could happen. I mean, he was only a head coach two years, so to win seven or eight games a year at Duke in two years does right. not really tell me what a ceiling is for him, but that's a, a nice place to start if it's at Duke. He's also had you a know. damn good quarterback there. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, they uh, Riley Leonard got hurt this year, and I Man, that, I do want to caution people. They still I do want to throw this out there for people. Riley Leonard might end up being the transfer portal target for Auburn. Right. He's not a great thrower of the football. Yeah. And I just I'm going ahead alert people to that right now. He is a really good runner. This is not the UNC side of you coming out, is it? No, okay. absolutely not. <laughs> um, I'm glad Mike Elko left Duke because I was worried about Mike Elko right. at Duke. He was. Like, 50, I don't, I don't Tom, like that Duke quarterback. Tom, he was a 56 percent faster this year. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, that's. I don't not think good. people realize that. Yeah, that's. So not I'm just good. telling you. Now he was like 61, 62 percent, I think, last year when he right. was fully healthy there all year. But this again, year what makes injuries. Riley Leonard good? Is not the arm necessarily. Right. It's that he couples the legs with a with a solid arm. Right. And so I'm just ca- I'm just cautioning there there are going to be better throwing options out there. Period. Now when you put the whole package together, where Leonard will rank, will probably be pretty high. But coming off of a situation where Thorne actually ended up being a pretty good runner, but he was not a great passer. You might be getting. I, the same I think thing. you're getting probably just a little bit better version of that. Oof, honestly, yeah. Honest. I'm again. I'm not trying. Oh yeah. He's from Fairhope. I get it. He's an in-state kid. I, I get it. If he if he comes here, I hope he wins 11 games. No, I hope he wins 12 games. I hope he wins every game. I hope he's a 70 percent passer. Right. But but he's not. The reality is, is this year was not a productive passer. Right. That's, that's just what it was. Um. And so I'm just going to caution people there. But point remains. Yes, he won with Ryan Leonard, but I, I'm also telling you, Duke's defense these last couple years, and again, he's a defensive he's guy a defensive that makes guy, sense. Yeah. For Duke to get that quality of defensive player that quickly, that's that's exactly what AM's looking at because right. it was hard at times to move the ball on them. I mean, look at Clemson. I mean, Clemson did a whole lot of nothing against mm-hmm. them. They moved the ball a few times and then turn it over in the red zone and all that. Their defense for what Duke should be, held up very well right. in his two years there. So w- what I'm saying is him only being there a couple of years, it's hard to know where it would have gotten to, what it could have gotten to, that sort of thing. With Stoops, it's a good and a bad thing. The logic for A&M is like, well, he won seven or eight a year at Kentucky. That's the same league we play in. Surely he won't do less than that. Okay, Jimbo Fisher was having trouble doing even that. So, okay, worst case, he's just Jimbo Fisher again for cheaper. Or we could also say, if you want to spin it, he's at a basketball school. Let's just call it what it is. He's been uh, irritable all year long about NIL at Kentucky for for football. And that's true. He had complained about it out loud. And so we, again, this is where our money comes in. We're going to be way better at them than that. So if he coaches up a bunch of 25th, 30-place classes to 7-8 wins, give him a 10th-place class. Give him a 5th-place class. Surely it will change. Now, again, that logic has been used for several different coaches in several different ways. You could have used it for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Didn't go to court and play at Florida. Uh, it, it goes on and on. But that's that's the thought pro- – I'm promising you that's the thought process that has. Sure. I still like Delco better, too, though. Because I think there is a potential to boom. He was there 
So he gets the expectations. He, he knows what he's walking he knows, into. He knows the culture there. Right. He knows the SEC. Uh, now, just as much as Stoops does. I mean, not maybe just as much, but he knows it just like Stoops does. Sure. Stoops is at a place where he is celebrated for winning eight games a year. Because that's who he is. You know, do you want to hear his overall SEC record? Because I bet you don't realize how it's how, not very yeah. good. Thirty-five and fifty-five. Yeah, in his time. And again, you, you win your non-conference games. They've dominated Louisville, so they've dominated that rivalry. Good. That's fine for them. Uh, but has he beaten Georgia? No, no. I, I, unless it was no. really early, I don't think so. I know it's not not in the last six or seven years. Um, so you know, I. I I don't think that that would have gone better than what Elko will go. I can't promise you Elko will be awesome. I, but you never you know. You never can. That's you never can. Because I would have promised you Fisher would have been good. I would have promised you that I – would, I would have promised you, oh, he won a title at Florida State. He's going to A&M now where they care immensely. Yeah, the league's tougher. But I was thinking, yeah, Fisher's going to be challenging for the, for the West. He's going to be able to take LSU's place. He's going to be able to be that second to third team in the league and win 10 games and, and be right on the cusp. And sure. maybe he breaks through. Maybe he doesn't, but he's going to get them close. And yeah. I, it wasn't even close. Well, and, and, you know, you can sit there and you can go through so many of those. Lincoln Riley going to Southern Cal. I think everybody was just like, well, they're about to turn into the Pete Carroll Southern Cal. They're going to win a national title. Their defense was like one of the worst defenses that I've you ever could seen. imagine. I yeah. mean, they were just god awful on defense. Nope, didn't happen. On the flip side, when Kirby Smart got hired at Georgia, of course, everybody's like, that's a great hire, you know, the defensive coordinator under Saban for all these years, and he's going back to his home state. But there were still a lot of people that are like, but he hasn't been a head coach. Right. He's a defensive coordinator. There's another defensive coordinator, great defensive coordinator, that jumped into the head coaching world and just flamed out. Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp. He's like, is he going to be the next Will Muschamp? Well, no, he's actually turned into <laughs> the best coach in college football right now, at least as far as what yeah. he's done as far as winning national titles. So, no, you, you don't know. Um, you just really have no idea uh, and, until it really starts happening. And then you kind of start seeing. I mean, and it'll usually take that year, that first year, to kind of – even if it's not the wins and losses, it, you know, just like with the Hall, the Harson situation when he came in here that first year, it wasn't so much about the wins and losses. It was about everything else that was going on in that program in the offseason and everything. It's like, ooh, gross. Like, s- something ain't right. So, something just ain't right right now. Uh, you can look at, um, you know, obviously things fell apart with Gene Chizik, but, you know, when Gene Chizik came here uh, – you know, it it was kind of one of those like might actually have something here. It, was it? I remember him getting booed. No, no, no. I'm saying after after oh, after 2010. Well, well, I mean, I'm talking about the recruiting and everything that happened that led uh-huh. up to 2010. That's where oh nine went in eight games and exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was like oh okay. Because okay. I was about to say being five and 19, I would say I promise you that it was not. Like oh no, no, that, no, yeah. no. I'm ta- I'm talking like when he first got here to Auburn, and you know, it was like. They started recruiting on a level that Auburn had not recruited on ever. I mean, uh-huh. it was it was dumb, 
dumb, damn it, dumb. Yeah. The type and of Michael Dyer and oh my yeah, gosh, I mean, it, it, the sure. recruiting was just absurd, and it was like, wow, we're not used to this. You yeah. know, maybe there's some here. Then lo and behold, win a national title, and you're like, here we go. And then, yeah. <laughs> but again. You had a guy that yeah, I guess you get the best of you got the best of both worlds with a guy like Chiswick coming in here. Yeah, he got booed at the airport. You know, nobody wanted him. He won you a national title, got you some of the best recruiting you've ever seen, and then of course it went the dumps. Yeah. But you didn't know that when you were getting him. You did, you definitely didn't know you were going to get a national title out of him when you hired him. A um, and M, yeah, hiring Elko. That dude might end up. He, maybe he ends up taking over and become the king of the hill in the SEC. Or he flames out after two years and A&M's looking for another head coach. Just don't know. That's uh, <coughs> that's one of the things that, – that's, uh, that's one of the things whenever you fire a guy and you get in the carousel, and, of course, everybody always talks about, well, two things. Oh, you got to fire so-and-so. you got to fire so-and-so. And it's like, well, you know, you're, you're taking a big risk when you do that because of the unknowns and – and then you're like, well, you got to don't fire somebody unless you know exactly who you're going to hire. It's like, well, that's great, but you still don't know how they're going to pan out at your school. Anytime you make a coaching hire, you're taking a huge, huge, huge yep. with capital letters risk because you just don't know how things are going to work out with it. It's, it's all an unknown and a shot in the dark most of the time whenever you're bringing in a new guy. Uh, and my, my 30 second thought, though, by the way, on Levy, too, I agree. I it, I would have gone Mullen. I don't think Mullen wanted it. I don't think he did. I don't either. think he wanted it. So I, yeah. my next two options were Rhett Lashley and Jeff Levy. So and, and then Lashley so, got an extension, right? And and SMU. to be fair, you don't think about this. SMU's Power Five job next year. Yeah, they're in the ACC. Right. So uh, that's fair. So I thought Levy made a lot of sense. He runs uh, a really good offense. He worked with Kiffin at Ole Miss. He worked with Heupel at UCF kind of looks like josh heupel by yeah. the way if you ever ever seen him um and, and runs up tempo stuff spread stuff that's my style i like the style um i i also yeah. think i think lashley i and i could be dead dead wrong on this but i i don't know something tells me that lashley is holding out until that arkansas job comes open which i, I mean the way the way they are with, won't be long i was gonna say i mean the way it is the, the way i if I mean, when you're talking about coaches on the hot seat right now, Billy Napier and, and Pittman yeah, are the like, next two. They are the they hottest of the hot yeah. seats right now in the SEC. Uh, I mean, there's nothing that's saying Napier is going to be back next year. Florida may still make a well, move. They, could. they yeah. may still make a they move could. with Napier. Uh, it sounds like they're they're set with Sam Pittman there. But I mean, another bad year, and especially if you bring in uh, Petrino like like they're doing. And they still have another bad year. I think he's out, and I think Lashley's jumping, chomping at the bit yeah. to get back to his home state and get in there and take that Arkansas job. About to end this shortened edition of the show. Borgard High School basketball coming up in a few minutes. Time for a quick nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. So for the nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer tonight, I want to remind everyone tonight's the start of the SEC-ACC basketball challenge. So I'm going to give you all those games tonight, 6 o'clock, 
ACC Network, number 21, Mississippi State, goes to Georgia Tech. 6 o'clock, SEC Network, Notre Dame goes to South Carolina. 6 o'clock, ESPN2, LSU visits Syracuse. 6.30, ESPN, a big one uh, in Lexington. Number 12, Kentucky. Number 8, Miami. That's going to be a a really good game, probably a high-scoring game. 6.30, ESPNU, Missouri goes to Pittsburgh. 8 o'clock, ESPN2, NC State visits, visits undefeated Ole Miss. And at 8.30 ESPN, not in football, but Clemson and Alabama on the hardwood. Alabama ranked 23rd, Clemson undefeated at 5-0 and in the year. Of course, Auburn will partake in ACC-SEC festivities tomorrow night in Neville Arena. But that's a look at the nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for our shortened edition of the show today. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Again, reminder, Borgard High School Basketball, our first broadcast of the basketball season with Borgard coming up next. You'll hear Tim Sin, Brooks Childress, and some of the guys on the call of that one. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.